Good morning. My name is Brad McNair. I'm the children's pastor here at Grace, and it's, it's my privilege to get to share with you just a, a word from the Lord this morning. Uh, how many of you guys had a great week this past week celebrating Christmas? And was that good? Good? I'm so, so glad. We had a lot of fun in the McNair household. Uh, so uh, Kate and I have a little boy named Truett. He just turned two earlier this December. And uh, I got the privilege and the honor to put together that boy's train table. Right, and I'm super thankful uh, that it came with an instruction booklet because uh, that thing, 100 plus pieces getting put together, and it didn't have a picture on the box. Like, if you're gonna get a puzzle like that, it should have a picture on the box. So, Kate and I are sitting there with a phone and we're zooming in, going, Okay, this piece goes here, this is how this goes. But I tell you what, it was worth it. That little boy, he walked in the room and he did like one of those double takes you see in cartoons, you know like that. And then he blinked a couple of times to get the sleep out of his eyes to make sure that he wasn't dreaming. And oh man, it was so much fun. He actually played with that thing so long, the train table that morning for so long that he didn't finish and open up presents until 2.30 that afternoon because he didn't want to play with anything else. It was awesome. Don't you wish life was as easy as putting a train table together? Like, don't you wish life had an instruction booklet that helped you walk through this life. To, I mean, because as Christians, we're called to live differently. The good thing is, is that God gave us his word to equip us to live differently. That's why I'm so excited that we are walking through the Bible this next year. And I really want to encourage you to pick up that Bible reading plan or to download the app, to follow along with it. And I want to encourage you to engage in God's word this next year. That's one of the spiritual disciplines, engaging in God's word, studying it, memorizing it, uh, applying it to your life, meditating on it, savoring it. God will show up in big ways if you read his word this next year. You engage in worship with us corporately, and we, we study God's word together, but you on an individual basis, if you read it, examine it, and apply it to your life, God will do big things this next year. As we read scripture, there's another spiritual discipline that pops up that is super important for us as well. It, it's, a, it's a spiritual discipline that really molds us uh, and makes us into the image of Jesus Christ, and it's prayer. We actually see Jesus pray 25 different times throughout scripture. Throughout the Bible, there's 600 different prayers listed and approximately 450 answers to prayer. Paul talks about prayer 41 times in his letter. Prayer is important. But it can be difficult for a number of reasons. I know I, I, sometimes I catch myself, I begin to pray and my mind begins to wonder. It begins to make to-do lists and it works on the grocery list. I start thinking about pickles, mayo, and mustard. Right? Have you ever been there? Maybe you begin to pray and you know, you just feel like the connection's not being made. You're talking, you just feel like your words are hitting the ceiling and falling back down. No matter what you say, you don't ever feel like God's hearing you. Maybe the only time you pray is when your back's up against the wall and you're just throwing up a Hail Mary type prayer. You know, it was actually 44 years ago yesterday that uh, Roger Staubach threw his uh, Hail Mary pass to beat the Vikings. 
Go Dallas Cowboys, right? When interviewed about that, he said, I just closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary when asked about the past. Maybe that's when you pray, when your back's up against the wall. The truth is, we need a prayer guide. And Jesus lays one out for us in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. So you can turn there right now in your Bible or open up your app, or you can follow along on the screens here in just a moment as we walk through this passage. So in this passage, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and we're right in the middle, though, of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 and and goes through verse 7. But back in chapter 5, he sits his disciples down on the mountainside, and he begins to teach them. And the goal of his sermon is to explain to them how to live as a citizen of the kingdom, or better yet, how to live as a disciple. An important verse in this sermon that Jesus is, is laying out is Matthew 6, 33, when he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, a disciple, a citizen of the kingdom, is someone who isn't seeking to build their own brand or their own kingdom, but they're solely focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's how one should pray, focused on God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And so as we unpack this passage, we're going to see the disciples' prayer, God, three ways we should pray as a disciple who is focused on God. So let's jump into verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is explaining to his disciples that you have to pray with the right heart. See, at the very beginning of this, before we go any further, I want you to see this, though. A disciple's expectation is to pray. He says, when you pray, not, hey, you should be praying. Hey, if your back's up against the wall, pray. It's just when you pray. As disciples of Jesus, we pray. And when we pray, we should be praying with the right heart. That means we don't pray like everybody else. You see, in these verses, Jesus is going to, draw a distinction between how disciples pray and how the Jews pray. And the Jewish, the practice for the Jews was to pray standing with arms outstretched and out loud. And there were certain times of the day that they were supposed to pray. And so if they're walking around the street and that time hits, hands go up, they're standing up and they begin to pray. Now these Jewish leaders, these hypocrites that Jesus is referring to, what they were doing is they were making sure that they would be caught in public all the time. They were going out looking for an audience so they would see them, hands outstretched with them praying. They weren't praying for anything else but for themselves. They wanted to show off and even show others up. That's the type of person that's a hypocrite. That word hypocrite carries the idea of being two-faced, one whose profession doesn't match their practice, a pretender or an actor who's under a mask. All those descriptors amount to somebody who's about their own kingdom, about their own brand. Disciples of Jesus don't pray that way, though. 
Prayer isn't meant for your personal gain or for you to show off to others or even show others up. It's an intimate conversation between you and God. You see, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe who made you and then redeems you, redeems you for the purpose of fellowship with him. And that's what prayer is. It's a two-way conversation between you and God, fellowshipping together. It's not about your glory. It's about fellowship with him and his glory. Jesus goes on to talk in these verses about this inner room. The idea here is that the disciple would make arrangements to not get caught in public praying so that there would be no temptation for them to put on a show for others. And Jesus models this time and time again by sneaking away and going to remote and secluded places to pray. But how do we have the right heart when praying? It's our focus. Our focus has to be vertical. It can't be horizontal. If we become horizontally focused, our eyes, our mind will begin to wonder and we begin to think about who's watching me while I pray instead of being focused on the fellowship with God, that vertical relationship. In 1940, a group of students from Wheaton College went on a trip with their professor, Dr. Orr, and they were visiting England, and they got to visit John Wesley's home, which is now a museum. And uh, John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement and uh, really a catalyst for a revival that took place in England. And uh, in his home there, there's some worn spots in the floor where he would kneel down to pray. And those spots are worn because of how often he prayed. Scholars point to the fact that, that he was a, such a man of prayer, and that's part of the reason why he played such a big role in this revival that took place in England. Well, these students are walking through that house, and they're getting to look at that. It's a museum now, they're, so they're walking through the museum. They get to see all these things, and they go back to load up on the bus. Dr. Orr is doing his head count. He realizes he's missing a student. So he begins to walk back into the, the house now museum and looking room to room. And he comes across a student whose knees are placed in those same worn spots on the floor where John Wesley would pray. He finds Billy Graham praying. God, do it again. God, do it again. Billy Graham was playing for revival to take place, for God's glory to be made known. Billy Graham would go on to preach to over 80 million people in his lifetime and lead, through his ministries, lead millions of people to Christ. He wasn't doing it for a show. He was doing it for God's glory. He was focused on that vertical relationship. He was praying with the right heart. The hypocrite focuses on who is seeing them. They don't love fellowshipping with God in prayer, but a disciple does. A disciple prays with the right heart. In verses 7 and 8, we're going to see that a disciple prays with intentionality. Follow along with me there. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Now don't miss this. The expectation for the disciples of Jesus is that they pray. So exactly, 
starts it off almost the exact same way as verse 5. But don't think of this in a legalistic way because Jesus isn't trying to get us or his disciples to check off a, a, a list of spiritual disciplines and say, yep, prayed. This is about us fellowshipping with God. That's what prayer is. Here, Jesus is going to draw a second distinction for us. The first one was between disciples and these Jewish hypocrites. This one is between disciples and now Gentiles. And then, so when Gentiles would go to pray during this time, these, these pagan Gentiles that didn't believe in God, they would go to pray and they would be praying to their many gods. And so their practice was they would name a god and then they would say their prayer and then they would name their next god and say their prayer. Then they would name their next God and then say the same prayer again. And then they would, and they would keep doing this over and over again. And then when they got done, they would go back through and repeat it again. Once, twice, and then sometimes three or four times just for good measure. They thought the more words that came out of their mouth, the more times that they addressed their gods, they were going to get an answer. It doesn't work that way. The more we talk doesn't mean the more we're going to get an answer. Prayer is not to become this mechanical thing where we just say the same thing over and over again. Now, this isn't talking about that time where you're going to the Lord over a specific situation or instance or an individual, where you're just going to God and you're saying, God, I, I need you to move, I need you to move, I need you to move. I'm talking about the mechanical praying. I'm guilty of this. Food hits the table. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Amen. Right? That's mechanical praying. So to combat that, when I sit down with somebody for a meal, I'm asking about family. What's going on? How are we doing? So when the, when the food hits the table and we begin to pray, I don't just go into that mechanical praying. I pray with intentionality. I pray specifically for the things that those individuals talked about. We shouldn't pray mechanically. We should pray intentionally. That means that we pray with more specifics and less generalities. We see a great example of this in 1 Kings 18. Uh, Elijah has come to Mount Carmel and he's called for a showdown between him and the 450 prophets of Baal. This is one of my favorite passages in all scripture. It's a, it's an amazing story. Uh, and so the, here's the rules for the showdown is they're both going to have altars, right? The prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah are going to have altars. They're going to have wood and everything they need to build the altar. And then they're going to have their own ox individually. And then whoever God answers by fire, they don't get the fire. They have to call out to their God for the fire. Whoever God answers with fire, they're the one true God. So Elijah, being the gentleman that he is, he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And they begin to cry out in the morning. And then it gets, you know, mid-morning, nothing. They're still crying out. Time continues to pass. They're still crying out. They begin to cut themselves because that was their practice. So they're bleeding, they're gushing blood. Elijah begins to taunt them. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Yell a little bit louder. Maybe you just can't hear you. Verse 29 says, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now it was Elijah's turn. 
But before he starts praying and, and calling, on, calling on God, he says, hey, hey, get four large jars, fill them up with water, and dump it on there. Okay, do it again. Okay, one more time, do that again. And in the, between that, he had dug a trench, had a trench dug around it. And so all this water soaked the meat, soaked the wood, and even filled up the trench. And then he begins to pray, starting in verse 36. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire fell, uh, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, Elijah didn't pray like these prophets of Baal. Elijah prayed uh, laser focus, simply, specifically, short, precise, on God's glory. Elijah prayed with intentionality. That means we pray with more specifics and less generalities. Praying intentionally focuses on God's glory. A great way that we can pray intentionally is actually praying scripture. Now, when we're praying scripture, it doesn't mean we just read scripture and go, okay, God, here's my prayer. Check, 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 check. Read it verse by verse. It's, it's where we read it and we find the meaning of that passage and we pray that meaning of the scripture back to God. It's, it's finding those promises of God and, and praying those promises back to him. There's a great resource if you're a podcaster. Uh, I, I enjoy utilizing this resource. It's, it's called uh, Pray the Word, and it's by a guy named David Platt. He's a pastor in D.C., and, I mean, he just reads a couple of verses, explains it, and then leads you to pray through it. <laughs> Five or six minutes, uh, and actually he does one every day. But it's a great way for you to pray intentionally focused through God's prayer. Because a disciple's prayer life should be clear, focused, and specific. That's how we pray, with intentionality. Lastly, in the last several verses, we're going to see that disciples pray the pattern. And here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd actually like us to read these verses together, starting in verse 9 and going through 13. So, because children's pastor, you got to remember that. I like to uh, count us off for this, so that way we don't try to, we actually all start together, okay? Does that work? Deal? All right. One, two, three. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our bread and forgive us our debts as we as also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, one of the things I want you to know before we jump into these verses, if you look in your Bible or you're, maybe you're on, on the Bible app, we didn't do it on our screen, but those, that last part, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, that's actually in brackets in a lot of Bibles, and then some Bibles don't even include it. And the reason being is because that's found in later manuscripts, meaning that it was a tagline or a doxology that was added on later. So it's still a good thing, 
but it's not necessarily scripture. So just know that. So that's not going to be included in this next part as we unpack it. Um, but this pattern is, is how we should pray. It's called the model prayer, and our prayer life should reflect it. And we could break this pattern down into a couple of different ways, and we could spend a lot of time on each of these individual phrases. Uh, but I just want to hit the highlights and then give a little explanation on each one. So this prayer pattern can be broken down into five ways. The first one is worship, worshiping God. The second one is kingdom, asking God's kingdom to come and his will be done. The third one is needs. God, meet our needs. The fourth one is forgiveness. We're asking for that forgiveness from God. That conf- we're confessing our sin. Fifth one is deliverance. Deliverance. So right there at the first, talking about worship. We start off just in the prayer addressing God. And during this time of addressing God, the, the thing there says, hallow, hallow be your name. Now that word has a double meaning there. It's, it's, it's a us hallowing God's name, meaning we're, we're calling it, we're setting it apart, we're saying how holy it is, but we're also at the same time saying, God, make your name holy among us. So hallowed has that double meaning. One of the great ways that we can do that is that we could call back to God his names that we find in Scripture. Now that's not because God forgets his names, because God doesn't forget. He's omnipotent and omnipresent and and all omniscient and all those omni words, right? So he doesn't forget things, but us calling back to God and saying his names to him is us hallowing him and setting him apart over everything else in this world. Next, we move to that part of praying the kingdom. And in that, a disciple's priority isn't our own interests or building our own kingdom or our own brand, but it's God's. So we pray for his rule and his reign in the world, in my life, personally. Uh, We pray for family members, neighbors. We pray for God's will to be done. We pray with an expectation on the coming, the return, coming of Jesus Christ too. And in that not yet state, we're praying, God, continue to do what you do here among us now. One of the ways I was convicted uh, about two years ago on this specifically praying kingdom come was I, f- I was listening to a guy preach, and during that time, uh, he just challenged to be praying for unreached people groups, praying that God's kingdom would come to unreached people groups. And I was really convicted about that because I know, you know, there's got the 1040 window where there's a lot of folks who don't know Jesus. A lot of that area is tied up with Islam and just no faith in Jesus Christ. It's hard to find any believers. And most of the time there's none in these people groups scattered throughout there. And so I did a little digging and I found an app and I want to tell you about it because it's, it's changed how I pray God's kingdom come. It's called Unreached of the Day. It's put out by Joshua Project. And what they do is every day they prompt you to pray for a people group. They give you a background on the people group. They give you uh, ministry obstacles. And they give you ministry uh, ways that ministry can take place about it uh, to those people. Uh, Today I heard about, I read about the Moors in Sri Lanka. You see, in the Moors in Sri Lanka, they have, they have the Bible in their own language. They even have the Jesus film and the God story video. They have all these resources, but there's zero believers amongst these Moors in Sri Lanka. So this morning, I prayed that God's kingdom would come to the Moors in Sri Lanka. 
If we're going to be disciples that pray and we pray the Lord's way, we've got to pray for his kingdom to come, not just in our own lives personally, but in the world around us as well. After we pray for the kingdom to come, we pray for needs to be met. We're praying for, yes, physical needs, but also spiritual needs as well. We're going to bat for people in our families, our friends, our coworkers. This is a great time to pray specifically with intentionality and a great time for you to pray scripture over individuals as well. One of the things that I did uh, this past Mother's Day is I bought uh, my wife, Kate, um, these prayer cards, and they slapped Truett's picture on there. It's really cute. You know, he's smiling. And, but it prompts her to pray different prayers for Truett and gives passages of Scripture, salvation, deliverance, freedom from temptation, praying about his future, protection, just a way to prompt us to pray. So I encourage you, find ways to help you pray the way that Jesus lays out for us here. Pray with intentionality and not generic ways. After we pray for our needs to be met, we move to this praying about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a multifaceted one because, yes, it's the search me, God, know my heart, reveal in, in me any unclean thing. And we confess that sin to God and we ask for his forgiveness. It's that. But it's also the forgiveness between us and others. It's those relationships that we're holding on to something and we've got just, we're letting bitterness and hardness of heart eat us up. And it's praying about those things. God, soften my heart towards this person. God, help me to forgive them and let go of this anger, this bitterness that I have towards them. If you're the type of person that feels like that connection isn't being made between you and God, it's usually either unconfessed sin in your life or it's unforgiveness between you and somebody else. There's two primary ways that are blocking your connection. Every time you pray, you feel like your prayers are just falling back down. It's usually unconfessed sin or unforgiveness in your heart. You need to ask God, search me, know me, reveal in me, yes, both my own sin, but also, God, show me where I'm holding on to unforgiveness in my heart, this bitterness, this anger. Ask him to help you let it go and truly offer forgiveness to others. Lastly, you close your time with this prayer, praying deliverance. It's asking God to protect you and deliver you from every sin and temptation. Maybe you feel like you are just being oppressed from all sides. This is where you're crying out to God. The truth is that our flesh is weak and we need God going before us and empowering us to live out this life that he's called us to and that he's redeemed us for. Now, there's the beautiful thing about this model prayer, this pattern of prayer that Jesus lays out is that if you follow it, you will never run out of things to pray. You will never run out of things to talk about with God, to fellowship with him over Following the pattern fights against your mind wandering off and starting to make that grocery list. It helps you to have a secure connection. It keeps you from praying those Hail Mary type prayers because you develop a rhythm and a pattern of praying and going to him over and over again. Now, I want to go back to a couple of the first words of this model prayer. And the very first word there is our. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, 
hour. A recent study by Barna Research Group showed that 82% of Christians pray silently and solo. That means that 82% of Christians who are married don't pray with their spouse out loud. Parents aren't praying out loud with their kids. Families aren't praying out loud together. Small groups aren't praying out loud together. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, it wasn't silent and solo. It's our prayer together. Jesus said when running out the money changers in the temple, my house shall be a house of prayer. I was reading a book about a year and a half ago by a guy named E.M. Bounds. He was a Methodist preacher from the late 1800s and into the early 1900s. This is what he said. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. We have to be a people of prayer. A people that pray, yes, individually, but also together as a body. And when we pray together as a body, or even individually, we've got to pray with the right heart and with intentionality and the pattern that Jesus laid out for us. The second word there is Father. And it shows us this intimate nature of what prayer is. This fellowshipping with God. This intimate nature became more real to me in uh, the last two years with having Truett. And when you have a little boy who runs up to you and says, Daddy, 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 and wants you to pick him up. All of a sudden you realize, oh, that's how I come to God. Father, Daddy. It's, I'm submitting everything under your leadership and your lordship in my life, and I just want you to rule and reign over me, so I'm giving it all to you. You are everything to me. That's what it means to call him Father, Daddy. And you can't call him Daddy unless you are really a child of his. And the only way that you can become a child of God is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ his one and only son, believing that he lived, that he died, he was raised from the dead. He's ascended into heaven and one day he's gonna come back to rule and to reign. Only then, then can we experience a prayer life that is vibrant and on fire. We don't have to feel like we've got this jacked up connection. We don't have to worry about our mind wandering off because if we've got a father who's in heaven that loves us, and see, here's the thing. I know that some of you, you didn't have great dads. You didn't have great earthly dads, and that's a hard word for you to hear, but I want to tell you that you have a father in, who, in heaven who loves you perfectly, unconditionally, will never leave you, forsake you. You'll never go a day where he doesn't love you. And he just wants you to talk to him. Daddy, father, 
You can experience a vibrant prayer life if you pray the way that Jesus taught. Pray with the right heart. Pray with intentionality. And pray the pattern. Let's pray. God, you are our father, our dad. God, we exalt your name over every other name. God, there is no one like you. God, there is nothing that compares to you. God, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God, we long to see your kingdom come. And the day that Jesus returns, Lord, but in the meantime, Father, we ask for your kingdom to be on display in each of our lives individually, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods, and here at our church. God, we want to see your will be done. We want to see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior and experience forgiveness that you freely offer. God, we want to walk out this life the way that you've called us to. God, help us live your way. In just a moment, uh, we're going to have a time of response. And there might be some of you uh, who are sitting there and thinking, you know what, I I need to pray. I need to pray with somebody. And so I, I just prayed the first two ways that we can we, we pray that pattern prayer. Worship and God's kingdom coming. So what I want to invite you to do during this time of response is, is to pray. Pray about needs. Pray about forgiveness. Pray about deliverance. Uh, maybe with this turn of the year, you're experiencing some things that you just need God to meet you in. Maybe something's going on at work. Maybe something's going on at home. Maybe it's a health issue and you just have a physical need I want to invite you to come down and pray with one of these prayer team members about that specific need maybe you have unconfessed sin in your life you just need to ask God to to clean that out to restore that relationship between you and him I want to invite you, you could come and just pray at the altar down here Maybe there's hardness of heart or bitterness that you have between you, a a friend, or not so much of a friend anymore, and you need to pray about that relationship. You come and take one of these prayer team members aside and ask them to pray with you about that. Maybe you are feeling that oppression, like everything is uh, just this world is against you and it's pressing you, and and you just need deliverance. You could pray for that. Better yet, you could have others pray with you about that. Maybe, maybe you even need to ask God to deliver you right now from your sin. And ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So let's respond to God right now. You can come down front and kneel here and pray. You could come pray with one of these team members. You could circle up with people, your family members or some folks on your row and and pray with them. But let's respond to God.
Let's stand and respond.